I want to share with you today some um, things that our pastoral team have been discussing and praying into uh, for us as a church in terms of next steps in continuing with this uh, vision uh, to see uh, disciples made of all nations. It's Jesus' vision. It's not ours, uh, but we want to play our part in it. Amen? Um, we'll, we've put it, written it down and put it into a booklet, which um, you will receive at the very end, okay? Because otherwise you'll be flicking through it while I'm talking. So uh, you'll get this on the way out. Do you make sure you, uh, you grab one of those? And um, it's really essentially about the harvest that God is wanting to give to us. Uh, the people that he's wanting to reach. The lives that he wants to change for his glory. And uh, you may remember in the Gospels, on one occasion, Jesus looked out on a crowd and it says he had compassion for them because they were uh, harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he turned to his disciples and he said, look, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And uh, then in Luke 10, it says that once he had said that, he then sent them out, 70 of them, went out in pairs into the towns and villages. And that number 70, or 72 in some versions of the Bible, is a significant uh, number in biblical understanding. It's understood as representing the nations of the world. Uh, that's how many nations you'll find counted there after the flood in Genesis. And uh, so it represents, therefore, the harvest field that we all have been sent into. Uh, that we are also called to labor in uh, together. And in Luke 10, it says that when the disciples returned from their mission, they came back rejoicing uh, with great joy, it says, because of all they'd witnessed God doing, seeing God at work, uh, healing lives, setting people free, uh, changing people's lives. They came back full of joy. And we've been doing this series of messages recently on joy, uh, if you've been with us for the last few weeks. So I'm including this message in that series, all right? Uh, because one of the ways that we will, as a church, experience great joy is by participating with Jesus in his mission. When we see the power of God at work in transforming lives and communities, changing situations, um, it will cause us to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, all right? It says in uh, Psalm uh, 126, verse 5, those who sow in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Um, so I'm calling this message the joy of the harvest, the joy of the harvest. Now, New Frontiers Church was formed in 2012, our roots go back way before then, but in its current form, uh, 2012 was when two sister churches merged together uh, with a very clear sense of God's leading. Uh, Henry Cooley and I were, went to a prophetic conference in St. Louis, and it was there that we responded to this prophetic word that was given uh, about two churches 
that were working in two corners of the same field. And in the Old Testament uh, thinking, the corners or the edges of the field were reserved for the widows, the poor, to glean from. And so uh, the prophetic word came that if we continued to work in our two separate corners, then we should expect to reap a widow's portion. But if we will come together, then God will give us the whole field. That was the prophetic word that came. Both Henry and I knew straight away that the Holy Spirit was speaking about our situation here. And this was actually confirmed by other prophetic words given specifically to the two of us, uh, that this was not just the merging of two existing churches, but it was the creation of something new, something better, a different paradigm than we had known before. And actually, over the last seven years, we have really seen that happen. We've seen God's faithfulness in the forming of this new church, in the purchase of this building, and the steady growth that we have enjoyed. And I am just personally very thankful for all the great people that God has added to us in that time, and the increasing influence that our church body is having locally and globally. But you know what? There is still a great harvest to reap. There is still a great harvest. Because you see, what is our field after all? What is the field that God has called us to labor in? What is the sphere of our mission together? It's more than just our geographic location here on the seacoast. Actually, the whole world is our mission field. That's what John Wesley famously said. He said, the world is my parish. That's why Jesus sent the 70 out. That's why he sent 70. It was for the nations. And uh, so Jesus made that crystal clear for us in Acts 1 verse 8 when he commissioned his followers saying this. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right, so we have a mission field here at home in our Jerusalem, but we also have a mission field into other regions and other nations. And by the grace of God, our church is already beginning to uh, see fruits, reap a harvest in those other spheres. So if we start, for example, at the ends of the earth, right, it's been our privilege over the years to send out a number of people into the nations. Currently, we've got Daniel and Natalie Baker uh, in Oman. Uh, we have uh, Dave and Anna Linden, as we just heard, in Istanbul. And uh, they went out from us, as Gareth said, about eight to ten years ago. And uh, they went to be part of a church planting team there in Istanbul. Today, they are the ones who are leading that team um, and leading now a thriving church, as Gareth said, of, in two uh, sites with a third one on the way and seeing Turks come to Christ and get baptized, now raising up indigenous leadership. Uh, it's an amazing thing that God has been doing there and it's part of our harvest. came out from us. Dave and Anna sent out uh, those eight to ten years ago, and they are doing a great work there. Uh, in fact, just in the past couple of weeks, Dave Linden said that 
uh, they were there in, the, uh, in their offices where they meet and uh, praying that God would send more people to them. Because people come just literally off the street. People who've had dreams of Jesus and uh, want to find out more. I mean, it's, an amazing, it's a book of Acts kind of thing happening in the Middle East. And so they're praying, Lord, send more. And at 4.30 that afternoon, there was a knock on the door. And there's a woman standing there, and she said, uh, as a Muslim lady, uh, is this a church? And uh, they said, yes. And she said, well, I've passed by thousands of times and just uh, couldn't find the courage to, to come in. But she said, I'm, I'm just fed up with being let down by so many people. And I'm really looking for somewhere where I can find real love. And I believe this might be the place. And they were able to invite her in and share the gospel with her, give her a Bible and so on. That is happening on a regular basis. And that is part of our harvest. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Great things are continuing to happen in Nepal. Uh, in the last, last few months, we've been able to send out a couple of teams led by Sam and Marlene Poe to provide training to a number of pastors that we are working with out there uh, in the western part of Nepal. Uh, our church is helping to lead the way in taking the gospel to unreached people groups in the world, including places like Nepal, through the Share the Story training that Sam has developed um, to uh, train people cross-culturally to share God's story, story by story. Uh, to oral learners in these unreached people groups. So if you have uh, a sense of calling to serve overseas, you want to be trained in cross-cultural mission, uh, please get in touch, all right? We have a plan for you. We've also been reaping a harvest in our region here. Uh, for those of you who are new here, we are working with eight other churches in our region. We're part of a family of churches in the United States and Mexico called Confluence. Uh, it's part of a, a wider family uh, called New Frontiers, which is some two, we don't know how many churches, there's over 2,000 churches uh, in about 70 nations. But our, our branch of that is called Confluence, uh, working here in North America. And um, our church serves as a kind of apostolic base in the Northeast. And it was a few years ago, one or two of you may remember if you were here then, uh, when we would gather our churches for a conference, that we prayed for the east coast of the United States, for the cities, and going from Boston down to D.C. It's a, a corridor known as the Boss Wash. It's a term that was coined in the 60s. Uh, it's one of the most heavily urbanized regions in the United States. And when you think about it, in terms of uh, uh, finance, education, politics, media, it's got to be the most influential region on the planet. We were praying for those major cities uh, going down there. Lord, give us workers to go and start churches in these cities. Um, uh, we've already got two churches in, uh, in Boston, and we're still praying for them to grow and multiply, but we were praying for other major cities. And it was Seth and Rhiannon Hoffman who answered the call. They were part of our leadership team right here. And five years ago, they moved down to Brooklyn in New York City, where we've been helping them to start a church. In fact, we're currently working with three church plants in New York City, and one of them um, in Harlem, New Hope Church in Harlem, launched this morning. Praise God. 
Yep. At the end of uh, 2017, we sponsored Nick and Amy Lines to move from the UK to join us and to help Seth and Rhiannon. And that's really when their church called Christ Central was born in Brooklyn. They've currently got about 40 committed adults and 20 children gathering each Sunday in a dance studio. It's not been easy. Uh, they've been sowing into people's lives and into their community with some tears at times. But they're now beginning to reap with shouts of joy baptizing seven people uh, in the last year or so, uh, which is amazing. They're just getting started, seeing people's lives changed. Uh, people like Kerry. I met Kerry when I was down there uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, There's a picture of her and her husband. Kerry had grown up Catholic, uh, but at 10 years ago, she went through a very dark time, uh, came to the conclusion that God had given up with her, that maybe he didn't even exist. She walked away from him. Then just a few months ago, she decided to give our church there, Christ Central, a go. And uh, she walked into the church and she said it, they completely changed her perspective on what a church community should be like. Uh, this is what she said. She said they were warm and accepting and I felt God's love in them. For the first time in 10 years, I thought maybe God does exist and maybe he is good. And she now looks forward to going to church every Sunday with her family become a, uh, an important part of their community. We met in her home when Sam and I were down there recently. But here's the thing, the success that they are seeing there, just beginning to see uh, in Brooklyn is our success as well, right? This is part of our harvest that we have got to share in. It's a church that's been planted out from us with significant investment, all right? It's not just financial investment, it's been that as well, but also, we've spent many hours praying, praying for them. And not only that, but many of us here, in fact, over 20 people have been going down regularly to serve them from our church, uh, going to help lead worship, uh, preach down there, help with the outreach, uh, help serve with the kids' work, uh, going with just general encouragement to them, pastoral care, right? Well done to all of you who have been involved in this, in your giving, in your praying, in your serving. This is part of our harvest. This is the field we've been laboring, and praise God for the fruit that we're seeing. Amen? Let's continue to pray for other workers. Uh, this work here is not done yet, just to say this is going to be a crucial year. Uh, to see them really get established and become self-sustaining with uh, their own uh, kind of leadership there. Uh, so let's keep on cheering them on through 2020 with our giving and our praying and our supports, okay, to really get them established. And let's pray for more workers. For other major cities uh, down the Boss Wash, right? Anyone call to Philadelphia here? Anyone want to go to Philly? Right, come and see me afterwards, all right? Maybe that will be the next one. Now, listen, as great as all that may sound, we won't be able to reap the whole harvest that God has for us and continue to do what God is calling us to do out there unless we grow in strength right here. Right? Our great need in this season is to prioritize reaping the harvest that God has for us right here. Because that's where many of our future workers and resources are going to come from, right here in our Jerusalem. Um, praise God, our church is growing. In fact, we've grown by over 12% uh, in the last couple of years, 
and we're continuing to grow steadily year by year. Uh, much of that growth has been through Christians being added to our church family, and we just thank God for all the wonderful people who have found their home here and have joined us uh, in our mission. Um, but in addition to that, we are actively seeking to reach the lost and to be a blessing to those who don't know Jesus yet. It's one of the reasons why we recently restructured our small groups uh, to enable more people to engage in community and to help us to become more missional in, in, in befriending people uh, in the wider community. Uh, one of the great encouragements that we've seen recently is, is being able to bless uh, the women from Lydia's House of Hope um, who have been involved here at our Act 2 Cafe, serving them as well as the women from New Generation um, and the ongoing work amongst the residents at Gosling Meadows. Uh, but more than that, uh, how so many of us have become much more intentional about investing time in our relationships uh, with friends and co-workers and neighbors who don't know Jesus yet. And that is going to bear fruit because that's where God is. Right? That's where God is at work. So I'm fully expecting to see uh, further growth in this new decade. But what it means for us is that we do need to take some steps now in preparation for the harvest that God has for us here. You may have noticed that uh, if you come to the 9 a.m. service, this auditorium is at capacity. That's when we have every single chair out, okay? Um, this was actually taken, I think, when we were one service. This is what it looks like now in our 9 a.m., right? So we, we have more chairs out than we do here in the 11. And if it's not at capacity in here, it certainly is out in the parking lot because people are having to park at Motel 6 now. All right. In the 11 a.m., as you can see, we've still got a little bit of room to grow. Although once we have a full kids program again in our 11 a.m. service, uh, then it means that hopefully numbers will balance out a little bit, give us a little bit more room for growth. But that is not going to be enough. That really won't be enough for what God is uh, wanting to do if we're going to continue to grow. Um, According to the latest research on churches in the United States, 80% of churches are in decline or they are plateauing. In other words, they're stopping, they're not growing anymore. Another 15% are growing by addition. Right? Like us, they're seeing people added to their numbers. But here's the thing. They will also end up plateauing and declining unless they can join the 5% of churches in the country who are reproducing themselves. Because the thing that will always limit a church is the size of the building or the size of the leadership team. Right? Most churches being led by a single person. Churches struggle to grow beyond those two things. And uh, in fact, if there was a revival and we saw a, a massive influx of people, we really wouldn't be able to cope. Churches would not be able to cope with that. So if we're truly going to reap the harvest that God has for us, then we have to be in that 5% of churches that are reproducing themselves. And that means multiplying what we have here. Right? If we don't do that, um, if we just get comfortable with what we have and allow ourselves to plateau, 
it will severely limit what we're able to do here on the seacoast as well as in the region and in the nations beyond. Right? It means we will not reap the field that God has for us. So just adding more meetings to this building or uh, you know, buying a bigger building so we can add more people really isn't enough. Right? Reaping this harvest won't be accomplished through addition, but only through multiplication. Uh, if you look at where the church is growing in the world today, uh, where there's genuine revival, making significant impact in places like China and Southeast Asia and South America and Africa and so on, um, you'll see multiplication. So for us, it means multiplying churches, it means multiplying leadership, it means multiplying ministries and gifting and so on, so that we can bless the whole of the seacoast and beyond. Uh, we've got to remember, we are a sent people. That's why Jesus sent out the 70 into the towns and villages. We've been called to go to where the people are, not just expect them to somehow find their way to us. Um, and while our small groups are part of that strategy, we recognize we also need to multiply our church across the seacoast and have other sites if we're going to effectively reach more people. Right? We need more barns for the harvest. That's what we need. Now, some of you may remember uh, in the early days of New Frontiers Church, we were actually originally met in two locations, uh, one in Portsmouth and one in Dover. And yet we decided that we should be better off joining together as one. And so you may be asking, well, what has changed then? Why are we kind of going back to that? Um, well, we're a different church now. Uh, it was necessary to come together, I believe, to fulfill that prophecy, to create something new. And uh, a stronger, healthier church with a much larger leadership team so that we would be better equipped then to plant out and reproduce ourselves. Because the plan was never to just come together and fill a building with church attenders. Right? We've been called to see God's kingdom advance for the gospel to go out in all the earth. That's what we're here for. Um, and the way that that has happened ever since the days of the early church has been through starting new communities of believers where people can encounter God's presence. It's what we see in the book of Acts. In Ephesians 2, uh, Paul says, the church is the dwelling place of God in the earth. His people are his temple where God manifests his presence. So wherever new communities of God's people are established, it's like God's presence has come to that town. Now listen to what Terry Virgo wrote. He says, when we plant a church in a new location, we are establishing a temple where God can be encountered, where his presence is felt and experienced. And I'm not just talking there about encountering God in a meeting, but through his people being actively involved in their communities, being sought and light where they are. Right? The more churches there are like that, the greater our impact, the more people we can effectively reach. Right? People like Laurie, if you know Laurie, uh, but uh, Laurie lives in Portsmouth, and um, she had lost everything, everything, uh, because of addiction. In fact, this is what she wrote. She said, for five years, 
I felt like I was living in a grave. I had no residence and was technically homeless. My children were lost to me. I couldn't even speak to them, wasn't allowed to speak to them. She said, I had no income, no medical insurance, and no ID. I felt like a nobody. And then there was just a simple invitation to come to church here at New Frontiers Church. And uh, that was a turning point for her. Uh, she said, I went forward for prayer at the end of the meeting, and another simple invitation, she said, came my way to be part of the Act 2 recovery program. Uh, and that's where she really encountered God's presence. And she realized that she was a precious somebody to him. And it was with the help of uh, the church family around her, supporting her, praying for her, that she was able to face her fears. And today, and this is just a remarkable thing uh, to me, because we're talking about the space of just really literally a few months, really. That in that time, um, she now has an ID, a home, her children, and a job. <laughs> right? And a couple of months ago, was promoted to shift supervisor and is now helping others in recovery. It's just an amazing story of transformation. Here's what she looks like now. And it's something we are just rejoicing with her in. Right? I'll never get tired of telling that story. Right? But you know what? There are lorries all over the seacoast. There are people from all walks of life facing difficult situations but who need hope, they need community, they need Jesus. And it's only by reproducing what we have here, okay, multiplying our church community across the seacoast that will enable us to reach, effectively reach those people. So we want to begin that process of multiplication within the next two years. Our goal this year is to identify the first of those new locations, uh, most likely somewhere in Stratford County, where we have quite a number of people who are really seeking to be a blessing uh, in their neighborhoods. And I say that because the goal is actually not to have another gathering somewhere else so it's more convenient for some of our members to get to. All right? We're not doing this to make it more convenient, but to reach more people. We're not doing this for the benefit of our existing members, but for those who don't know Jesus yet. Otherwise, we'll just be taking an existing group from our church, setting them up somewhere else, and we'll both just plateau and decline, and we'll go back to work in the two corners of the field again. That's not what we're here for. So this won't be for everyone in that locality, wherever that is, right? At least, not initially anyway, right? We do need some of you to continue to help us here. Uh, it'll be for those who are committing to reach their neighbors, who can give their time and their energy to see this get started. But of course, it will, it will involve every one of us in some way or another. Um, you know, this isn't a vision for a few people, 
And this is something we will all have to own and get behind. It will require a commitment from us all. A commitment to embrace change, to say, right, we're pioneers, not settlers. It will mean sending a number of people out from us, and there may be other numbers of people going out in future years. Right? Um, but we commit ourselves to making that sacrifice of maybe not seeing some of our friends as regularly as we once did. Why? Well, for the sake of those who don't know Jesus yet. That's why we're doing it. It means a commitment to all playing our part in serving. It's all hands on deck. And to apprenticing. Um, those of you who are currently leading small groups or leading a team uh, or serving in some way, it means being willing to reproduce yourself by investing in someone else. Uh, maybe training others to do what you do. Uh, that's something we can all be thinking about uh, doing because we need to multiply gifts and ministries and leadership. All right? We're currently restructuring our trilogy leadership program uh, into different tracks, including a part-time residency with a greater focus on mentoring to enable us to develop many more types of leaders, men and women, uh, serving in various roles of leadership. Uh, more on that another time. It means uh, older, more mature Christians getting alongside younger Christians, those who are new in the faith, uh, sharing your experience and so on, right? This is not going to be a time for sitting on the sidelines and observing, right? This is a time for everyone to get in the game. Uh, we need many spiritual fathers and mothers to get involved. Uh, so please take an interest in our young people. Uh, take an interest in young families. Uh, be asking questions, praying for them. Get coffee with them. Invite them over, right? Um, you've got such a wealth of experience in your walk with the Lord, right? Let's be ready to share that uh, with uh, those other generations coming through. For the younger generation, it's a commitment to being humble and teachable and asking to be mentored, being willing to learn and grow and to serve where needed. Right? We want to see the older generations coming alongside the younger generations and walking together because that's what this is going to take. It's already beginning to happen actually in some of our small groups uh, with older couples uh, mentoring some of our younger couples to lead um, or an older prophetic guy like Greg Shaw here uh, leading a group with Adriana, one of our uh, younger prophetic ladies. It'd be great to see that happening more and more in the church. And of course, it will also require a commitment financially, uh, but more on that next week when we look at the joy of giving. Listen. We had um, Dick Saul in the earlier meeting, first Sunday back from Paris, where he had a heart attack. He was out there on business. He's sitting in his hotel room. He just shared in the earlier service. He was sitting in his hotel room in Paris. He had a heart attack. He called the emergency services. He was sitting there on his bed waiting for them to arrive, but just felt total peace. didn't fear 
and God was with him. Whatever happened, he was in God's hands. And he had peace with whatever was going to take place. Praise God. You know, God brought him through. He had surgery. And uh, he had to stay out there for a couple of weeks. And he's back with us now. Uh, we're thankful for that. If we got him a little longer. We don't know how long we got, though. Any one of us here. You know, he sat there on his bed facing eternity. That will do something to you. But we all face that, every one of us. And I just want to say, you know, there is no greater thing than we can invest ourselves in, in you know, our lives, our time, our energies, everything. There is no greater thing that we can uh, sow our lives into than this beautiful field that God has placed us in. Right? Its fruit is eternal. It's a harvest that we will reap with shouts of joy. Amen? I'm going to ask Henry to come up and share uh, just for a few minutes here before we close because this um, church, as I said, uh, didn't start in 2012. Actually, our roots go further back. And Henry's just going to, let's just welcome Henry. He's going to share about that. So when, when we talk about a new initiative to start a new location and church planting, um, I just love that. And uh, I've gotten, we've been praying about this now for, for months and months, and, and I get excited about it. Um, the idea of being pioneers and not settlers, and uh, even though I'm old, I can do an, a new adventure, um, and um, the idea of being part of a, a church planting team, there's nothing like it, because everybody matters. It's all hands on deck, whereas, you know, you come here on a, on a Sunday like this, and you can feel like, well, you know, I didn't show up, it doesn't really matter, and you can feel like that when you're on a church plant. Everybody matters. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's a huge thing. So, and so I get excited about it, but it's nothing new for us as a church because church planning is, is in our DNA. And, and um, if you go back to the early 80s, there was a group of us back at, at, uh, up at Dartmouth, and we heard a guy named Larry Tomzak say something. He said, if you really want to make the most out of your life, find out what God is doing your lives into it. And for us, we, we heard the Great Commission, you know, go and make disciples, and we took that seriously, and, and we believed that the best strategy for making disciples was planting new churches. It was the most effective, most efficient way to make disciples, to start a new, new church. So uh, there was a group of 13 of us, and we have a picture here, um, young 20-somethings, um, and uh, you'll recognize some of those folks. Uh, and we, you know, funny comments. And, and, and uh, so we moved to Durham. We quit our jobs. Uh, we uprooted our lives. And we threw ourselves into a, a new adventure. And you know, some were recent Dartmouth grads. And, and uh, they just found work. Whatever they could do, they, they took their high-powered Ivy League ed education and one ended up selling wood stoves. Another person made sandwiches at Arby's. And uh, we had some single women who uh, came with us. And they got clerical jobs. But they, they lived together in a women's household. And that household touched 
the lives of, of all sorts of young, young women. Um, the, uh, we had two families with kids, and uh, Lizzie and I were newlyweds. We had single men living with us right from the get-go. I don't recommend that to most newlyweds, but uh, we did that. John Bursu had, had one of the few real jobs. He was an engineer at the shipyard, and, uh, but I, I thought about it. I don't know how he did it, a new job. He had young kids and was part of this church planning team, and we did stuff every night, every night, and Saturday morning and Sunday, we had potlucks every Sunday. And uh, we, that's what we did. We're, we worked incredibly hard. Um, we built a church that's here today. And you're here because of that. And that church has, you know, has impacted the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people. And, and uh, you know, here's a picture of uh, one of our first fruits. This is a woman named Wendy. She got saved. She was a student and, and was baptized. And, you know, God touched her. He, she trans, he transformed her. Um, and that's what it's about, making disciples, seeing God move in the lives of, of people and change them forever. Uh, so that church, our church, this church, uh, had multiplication and church planning from the very beginning in our, in our DNA. And so in 1989, you know, we started in 82, and 89 we sent six more people down to Boston to be a part of uh, a church plant there. Dave Hill was, had moved there. And that church is now Abundant Grace, and they, they then planted City Church uh, there. So we're, does that make us grandparents, great-grandparents? I'm not exactly sure. Um, then in uh, 98, we sent another group from, uh, from uh, our church. A group wanted to go to Portsmouth and start a church there. And so we have a, another picture here of some uh, youngish folks there. You'll recognize some of those, perhaps. Uh, they moved to Portsmouth started Harbor Church and, you know, eventually dragged Ian uh, <laughs> from England to, to lead that and, and Ian and Emma. And uh, so then uh, in 2006, we sent Bo and Alexis Noonan uh, via Boston. They ended up teaming with Sam and Marlene Poe out in Tacoma. They started a new community church, which they just, they broke the 500 member barrier uh, this recently. So. Uh, and, of course, then five years ago, we sent Seth and Rhiannon down to Brooklyn, and, and uh, you know, we're in the midst of, of that. You know, and that's not even to, to mention, uh, you know, Dave and Anna Linden, who are in Istanbul, and putting in, in, into place their, their second uh, Turkish elder today. How fantastic that is. And Daniel and Natalie in, in the Middle East. Um, so it's a pretty remarkable legacy church planning for a little church um, that if you put it all together, you know, thousands and thousands of lives have been touched over the last 35 years because of that. And, mm. and uh, all because a group of 13 nobodies decided to just lay their lives down and move and, and come and, and be a part of something new. See what, see what God, to just see what God would do. You know, and we never dreamed the impact that we would have. And, you know, I look at, at you and, and what God does in your lives. And, you know, I love Lori's story. I love the little stories that I see every day um, in your lives and, and uh, how God is at work there. And that's what it's about. 
And it's so incredibly satisfying to look at it and say, yeah, I was a part of that. Uh, even though you know, I'm not doing it. <laughs> you, everybody else is doing it, but I was a part of that. And, and that's satisfying. So I look at this new initiative and I just, you know, something wells up in me and say, let's do it again. Let's do that again. And let's go on a new adventure. Uh, let's throw our lives into something that God's doing and see what God will do now, even though I'm old. And, uh, or you're, you may be young. And uh, Who knows what God's going to do in the next 35 years. You know, I, I hope I'm dead in 35 years, but, and, I'll be, and I'll be cheering what God is doing, but I'm serious. That'll be great. And uh, <laughs> anyway... Who knows what will happen in the next 35 years. So let's, let's do it again. Let's go together. That's, that's the vision. It's, uh, I believe, has its roots in, in Jesus' command. Uh, it's biblical. Uh, it's what we see in the book of Acts. We don't have it all figured out. We just want to take some next steps. We need to pray. We need to pray because we really believe this impetus has come from God, from the Holy Spirit. Um, but it means we need God to carry this out. This is, if this is his plan and his purpose, then we need God to fulfill it. This is not something we can just do in our own strength. Uh, we need God. We need his wisdom. We need his direction. We need next steps. Uh, and God seems to be speaking prophetically. Already I've heard uh, from one or two people. We're going to share on Wednesday this more to share, really, prophetically. Um, and so come on Wednesday night to the prayer meeting. We're going to worship together. Uh, we'll share a little bit more about this harvest, and we'll pray into that. Uh, so there's still more things coming prophetically. Maybe there's been stuff stirred in you here this morning. We'll come ready to share uh, so we can pray into those things because we really uh, want to start with prayer. We want to continue with prayer, right? So we can't do without prayer. Uh, so let's really be looking to God together for this. Amen.